was to see Flisk squirming with anxiety. Flisk was the youngest soldier among them, new to fighting, untested before his first ride into hell. He had been chosen for his quickness and accuracy, despite his lack of experience. Although his comrades and captain had prepared him as well as they could, he had no real understanding of what it would be like to face gusts of arrows and flurries of blades, howling amicans and raving sorcery. Prince Bifalt knew this about him. All the veterans knew it. For that reason, they were patient with Flisk's restless questions. They did not snap or sneer when he asked the darkness, How many battles have you seen? A question he had asked before, and had been answered often. The other men deferred to the prince for his father's sake. Two, he replied curtly. He had the scars to prove it. Three, said Jack, one of the men who would ride shoulder to shoulder with the king's son. The other was Gret, who never spoke, even when he was addressed directly. Captain Swalish, rasped Elgart, claims five. He was the squad's cynic, a man who questioned everything despite his obvious alacrity and courage. The stroke of an amican sword had scored him from hairline to jaw, but he had killed two more men before his comrades had rallied around him. Flisk's voice cracked as he asked, Do you doubt him? Before Elgart could retort, Barton pronounced harshly, Seven. I have come through hell seven times. Then his tone softened. If I thought a wife would spare me an eighth, I would marry. This was a jest. Barton, the oldest of the veterans, was an inveterate misogynist. To say he would not touch a woman to save his life was an understatement. He might not have touched one to save his closest comrades. They suspected that he had been beaten unmercifully by his mother when he was a boy. Usually, for no reason he knew. Camwish chuckled dutifully, and a few other men joined him. But their hearts were not in it. After more squirming, Flisk breathed, Seven? Seven hells? How many have there been? Another familiar question. Flisk knew the answer as well as anyone. But to ease him, or perhaps simply to fill the silence, Noel replied, My father survived three. The squad's stitcher and bone-setter, Noel had learned kindness from gushing wounds and crushed limbs. Not the fourth. His tone suggested a shrug. The war was old when he was conscripted. Flisk's silhouette nodded against the purling sky. After a moment, he ventured, They say we have fought Amica forever, but they do not say why. What is it for? For us, muttered Elgart, survival. For Amica, who knows? Elgart may have been the only man there who wanted to know what the enemy gained in this war. For the rest, it was enough that Amica hungered to destroy Belliger. It was enough for Prince Bifalt. However, he was the king's son. He had more education than his comrades. He had been tutored and had studied on his own as well. Until now, however, he had kept what he knew to himself. He had bided his time, saving what he had learned for this moment. The hour before Belliger's fate turned toward life or death, toward future victory 
or final defeat. There is a tale, he said, as if the subject held only casual interest. It is preserved in the records of the Fist. The Fist was the high citadel of the land's kings. When it was first raised, it was known as Belliger's Fist, brandished against the unrelenting heavens. But over generations, it became simply the Fist. It claims there was a time, decades or more before the reign of my grandfather's grandfather, when Belliger and Amica were one realm. His comrades were little more than outlines under the waning stars, vague shadows of themselves. Still, Prince Bifalt felt their attention, their held breath. One realm, he repeated. It must have been a prosperous land, blessed with fertile fields and ripe forests, and mines rich in metals.